All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. morning everybody thank you for joining us here on another episode of dropping the gloves a, a long waited episode it's been a minute since we've talked to you guys we've been gone we've been sick we've been back we've been sick again it's just just been a whirlwind of movement tim it seems like for the first week and a half of 2024 and the last week of 2023 it, but tim's here and it, that's the thing tim's sick He's under the weather, but he's soldiering through it just to get an episode out and talk to you guys because it's been forever. Right, Tim? How are you doing, my man? Yeah, tough start to the new year, but I miss this. I'm glad to be back. I'm going to try not to talk too, too much. Just give my my throat a rest. I got my tea. Glad I'm here. There's lots to talk about, so let's get into it. Yeah, we're going to keep it very focused today. We're going to have the founder of Give Better on right at the tail end of this episode to talk about all the exciting stuff that they're going through and to give him a little light because we've been slacking lately. And frankly, I, I want to give him a little pedestal because his company's so great. And then we're going to get into the Cutter Goche situation. But first, we're going to start with the Willie Nylander situation. But first, first and foremost, this episode is brought to you by our friends at Give Better. The app is now live in the USA. We'll talk about that later when we talk to Bo. It's fantastic. Tim has it. I have it. A lot of fun. They're doing a lot of incentives for you to get started. So we'll we'll touch on that later on in the episode. But I just want to let get that out there because they're fantastic. Give better. Check them out. Moving on. Willie Nylander, Tim, dropped a bomb. Well, it wasn't him who dropped the bomb. It was Brad Trevealing and the Toronto Maple Leafs. They dropped a bomb this week, Tim. Willie Nylander has officially signed with the Toronto Maple Leafs eight years, $92 million. That's $11.5 million per year, average annual value, making Willie Nylander one of the highest paid players in the NHL next year. Big, massive, seismic deal for the Toronto Maple Leafs. This alters their future moving forward. This changes who they can be and who they will be. Very big deal. I thought all along that they were going to move on from this guy. They were going to trade him, get that money back in the coffers, move forward with Matthews and Marners and Riley and see where we can take this team. They doubled down on the trio. They will have these guys, Matthews, Marner, Nylander, for the next 100 years because they're going to re-up Mitch Marner too when he's up in 2024 or 25. They have to now. Well, maybe they don't. Well, we'll... We'll touch on that later on. First thoughts of the deal, Tim. This is a huge deal, $11.5 million. What did you think of it? 
Yeah, I, I thought it was a good deal for the team, all things considered, because you know he probably could have gotten more in the open market if he went to free agency this summer, which they didn't want him to do. And this is the question that we answered, you know, we were asking since last summer was like, do you do you sign him and kind of figure out the future there, knowing you're going to be really pinched from a salary, salary cap perspective next year? Or do you risk, do you trade him, knowing that you can still get something for him before the free agency comes? Or do you risk letting him go for nothing and having him there? So... They signed him. Um, and I'm actually, the more I think about it, the more I was reading about the, the numbers and all that, I don't think it's that big of a challenge, or at least it's not as big as I thought it was, to, to make this this group work under the roster, under the salary cap. Really only next year is going to be the biggest pinch, but the cap's going up. And I say next year because you still have Tavares, you still have Marner, but the cap does go up, so we'll get into that a little bit. But now between Matthews, Nylander, Tavares, Marner, and Riley, that's five players committed $54 million. A lot of money. It is. And yeah, next year is the tricky, tricky point because of Johnny T and, and Mitch Marner. They're both going to be up next year and we'll see where the team goes from there. But uh, is it too much? You, you think it's a good deal for the team just because the cap is going to raise? I, I think it's which Willie Nylander are we getting? Right. I, I like to compare this one to another contract that was just signed in Vancouver, Elias Pettersson. I, I think Pettersson's deal is is very fair. But Willie Nylander, his season high is 87 points. And it's not like he's a first or second year guy. He's been in the league now for, what, seven years? He he is a known commodity. So it's not like he's just having a breakout year and then he's going to you know take off after this. I think he's having an outlier year where this is a, a very good year for him. And you see players have this where they just have that one year where everything goes in their shooting percentages through the roof. Everything is feeling good for them, and then they just all of a sudden go back to the norm. When you look at Willie Nylander's career, it's been 70, 60, 87, 70. You know what I mean? It's pretty consistent on that level. And now this year, he's going to eclipse that. He will be in the 110, 20-point range if he continues to go at the pace he's on. I think he reverts back to that player next year where he's going to be 85, 87 points. And now is that is that your $11.5 million guy that you want? Who are you signing? Are you signing the player this year who's really taken off in his free agency year? Yes, that, that's who you're signing for $11.5 million. It's worked out well for William Nylander. It's worked out very well. He is playing his best hockey when he has to so he can cash in on this opportunity. But I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think it's a great deal for the Leafs. And I know the cap's going up and there's going to be more money to be had. But boy, oh boy, that's a lot of money, Tim. It's a lot of term. He's going to be... This is not a... This is not a Matthew Boldy type deal. This is not a deal for a 21-year-old kid. Willie Nylander's 27. When this contract ends, he's 35. That's a that's an old 35. Like you're you might even be 36, Tim. So for a player of his ilk, who is a shifty playmaker, uses his speed, uses his craftiness, his agility. You think you're still going to be making those moves when you're 33, 34, 35, 36? The back end of this contract could look pretty pretty rough, pretty quick. And then another point I want to make, why are we re-signing him? Have the Toronto Maple Leafs proven that they're a winning team? Have they gone out there and won Stanley Cups? Because usually when you see these types of contracts given out, they're trying to keep the core together who has done something. They're trying to keep this team together because they've won the Stanley Cup or they've gone to the Eastern Conference Finals or they're on the just the edge 
of winning one. They haven't done anything. They've won one playoff series. That's it. So what are we doing here? They didn't even win a game in the second round, if my memory serves me correct. They got swept by the Florida Panthers. So what? Why are we rewarding that? I don't. I just don't understand. Yes, he's a good. He's a good player. He did show up in the playoffs. I get that. But all the teams that we see that have all their money wrapped up in a you know one defenseman, five forwards, two defensemen, four forwards, they got Stanley Cups under their belts, or they got some Eastern Conference, Western Conference Finals appearances. These guys have done nothing. So it's going to be funny to me, especially. In four years, when you still got Matthews, Marners, and Nylander, and Riley, and they have no cups, and all these guys are going to be 31, 32, 33, and they have no cups, and then you're stuck. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is the year they win the cup, but I just I just see all these other teams in the same situation. The Avalanche, the Lightning, you've got the, the even back in the old days, the Penguins, the Capitals, the, the Blackhawks. Teams that do this have success. They, they they have shown no no success. So it's like we're we're all in. We're going to sign them. This is a great deal. We're going to you know keep the band together. Band sucks so far, right? Like the band's done nothing for us. Why are we keeping these guys together? So that's that's where I'm. Why why? But anyways, you like it. It's good for you. Well, okay, let me go back to your earlier point about which ver- version of Nylander you're getting. And that's an important thing because he has gotten better each year. But you're right. His career high is 87 points. He's never been an all-star. He's never been the best player on his line for a, long, for a whole season, right? He's never been the best player on his team. Now he's getting 11 and a half. What's important is that the Leafs were trying to sign him this summer, this past summer, around the $9 million mark. He didn't want it. He wanted to, to prove himself and even would go to free agency if it went to that. So he goes into the season with something to prove. And he goes in and have like the best 37 games of his career. 53 points, I think he's got. So 37 games. How does that jump up from nine to 11 and a half if you're tree living, right? That's two and a half million dollar jump from a player who you know is playing for a contract. That might be a tough pill to swallow. But even if he does regress and this year's an outlier and he's an 80 to 90 point player every year for the next four or five years, that's okay because what really matters is what you're getting from him in the playoffs. And what we've seen from the Leafs, even when they weren't winning rounds, he was one of the guys who showed up. He was one of the guys who competed for the full 60 minutes. He was, he was hustling both ends. He wasn't floating like we saw from Matthews and, and uh, Marner. So I feel like if, even if he is an 80-point player for the bulk of this contract, if he's giving you what he's given you in the past in the playoffs, it's probably going to be worth it. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. No, he, I think he's been good in the playoffs. I don't think he's been fan. He's got 40 points in 50 games in the playoffs. So it's good for a second-line guy. But he's being paid right now as a first-line guy. So we'll see how it pans out. I don't know. Maybe I'm just jaded a little bit. But it, it's it's a good deal for Willie Nylander. I think it's it's okay for the Leafs. It's very good for Willie Nylander. And now all the Toronto pundits are upset at him now because he didn't give them a hometown discount. What did your take on this? Because people were assuming that he would give them a little bit of a break. Maybe coming around 9 or 10, not, not the 11 and a half. 11 and a half is a big number. His dad was a known shrewd negotiator, and now his son is doing the same thing. Do you, do you think that's fair for people in Toronto to kind of get after him for not giving him a little bit of a break on the, on the price, the sticker price there, Tim? No. No. I mean, it, it's rare in hockey. Most of the time, players want what they're, what they're owed. And the the Sidney Crosby is a good example of a guy who's always taken less than he's than he's worth. But most of the time, players are getting what they want. 
um, than getting what they feel that they should be owed. If if anything, maybe it's half a million where they they'd like ten and a half. They'll, they'll settle for ten. You know what I mean? Like, um, yep. but no, I don't I don't blame him for that. And and actually, there's an interesting point that came out in yesterday on Twitter. Alan Walsh, who's you know the biggest agent in hockey, probably um, he was tweeting about just the fact that this goes back to the 2004 lockout. That the fact that we're caring about the salary cap as fans is a disappointment in hockey. It's a sad state of things where. Like you should be caring about the player. You just signed a great player to eight years. That's all the Leafs fans should be caring about. But instead, they're talking about salary cap and cap percentage and all that, which is just not really what the, the what sports is supposed to be about. I thought that there's an interesting point. Yeah, I'm tired of Alan Walsh. I just don't know why. He's always <laughs> just it's it's a great point, but I'm just like, be a GM. Like just <laughs> go away. He's just always like in in our back pocket about that. All right, so, now now the question is, Tim. Mitch Marner. Yeah. You got you got Willie Nylander wrapped up. You got Austin Matthews wrapped up. You got Morgan, Morgan Riley squared away. You have your course somewhat. Johnny T's coming off the books, rightfully so. He's he's you know, he's ready to go. Willie Nylander or uh Mitch Marner is gonna be a UFA next year. Making ten point nine zero three million dollars. He is much better than Willie Nylander. Mitch Marner is way more important to this team than Willie is. What's his number though? If you're given if you're given Nylander eleven point five, Austin Matthews makes thirteen point two five. Where does Mitch Marner fall? Once the cap is raised, does he want Austin Matthews money? Is it a thirteen starting point for him? It starts with a twelve at least, right? Like you know he's gonna want more than Nylander gets. And this is where it gets tricky because if if you have Tavares coming off the books, you probably have the money to give Marner a little bit of a bump there. But then you think about like, how do you, this is the question we always come back to. How do you build a winning team around this? Even if you give him 12, 12 and a half, 13 Matthews number, you're running out of room to build a competitive team. And so it can be done, but it's very, very challenging. And you have to bet on like guys that are outperform their contracts. And they've done a little bit of that this year. Like Max Domi's having a great year. Tyler Bertuzzi, not so much. Klingberg, not so much. Reeves, not so much. So like a lot of these moves, you have to bet on free agent players and young players outperforming their contracts. And that's a tough thing to do. If you want to build a competitive team and you're betting on guys performing better than they're getting paid for, it's a really hard recipe. And really what you have to hope for is just one year with the stars aligned and everything's magical, everything goes right. And that's the best case scenario because it's going to be really hard to build a competitive team year over year. Like, yes, they'll win some games with these players on their roster. But as we've seen from them in the last five years, that's not enough right now. Well, the that window is now, and that window is next year when they have those four guys under contract. Like the, the their best team is this year. There's no better team coming after this year. You have Bertuzzi at a good number. You have Domi at a good number. You still have the big four. You have a good defense. Like I, I don't see how this team improves year over year after you sign these three guys to, to the big numbers, because Marner is going to want $13 million. That That's where I think he lands. I think it's just, just below Austin Matthews, but it's a, it's a 13. I think Marner's better. I, I would pay him more than Austin Matthews. That's just how I see the game. And I see him as a player, but yeah, if he's making 13, you got Marner making 13, you got Willie Nylander 11 and a half. That's, that's $37 million. And then you got O'Reilly. Like you're you're locked up to forty five million dollars with four guys. So that's a lot of that's a lot of money. There's I'll also ask the question: Does this mean that you get rid of Marner? 
and this is something that's been thrown around on Twitter. I think Jay Rosehill tweeted it out yesterday. This this he's been saying this is the time you trade Marner, you maximize the package, you get as much value back as you can, and then you give yourself some breathing room in the cap while also getting some good players in return. Is there any sense in that to you? No, none whatsoever. Why? Why? <laughs> Marner's younger than Nylander. He's better than Nylander. So I, I don't understand if you were to trade one player, why would it be Marner and not Willie Nylander? The the return would be somewhat similar for those two guys if, you, if you're shopping them on the open market. There's no chance that would make sense to anybody in the hockey world. There's no way that they make that that makes them a better team. I like Mitch Marner. I really do. I think he's a fantastic hockey player. I think he's really rounded out his game, but there's there's no way, especially with Johnny Tavares leaving, like who's going to be your setup guy? Who is it? I guess it's Nylander, but I don't know. No, Ray, Jay is wrong. Absolutely wrong. You do not trade Mitch Marner. If you were going to trade anybody, it would have been Willie Nylander. Makes yeah. no sense to me. What's interesting, too, and I this really surprised me. I didn't realize how long Nylander's been around. He played with Kessel and Phaneuf on this team. Isn't that wild? Like, he's been around yeah. since 15, 16. Like, this is, he's, I didn't even realize he was older than Marner. That's yeah. crazy to me. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean by he's a known commodity. You know what you're getting with this guy. His his first season with was 2015, 16. Yep. Like I played against him for Pete's sake. Like that. That's how old he is. So you know what you're getting from him. Like I just don't know how all of a sudden this guy can rip off a 120 point season and that he's going to take off from here. I think he's going to revert back to you know 80, 85. That that's his high water mark. So. I hope I'm wrong. I like to see the Leafs being successful and flaming out in the playoffs. It's fun, but big. I, I didn't think they were going to sign him. Me neither. I thought they were going to trade him. That, that in my eyes, is a smart move. Trade him, get rid of Tavares, free up a lot of money, a lot of options there. You still have Marner and Matthews. You still have Riley. You can re-up Bertuzzi or Domi, whoever you want. You re-sign Matthew Nyes. You, you have some pieces still there and a lot of money to spend. But now they've kind of put themselves in this corner with this group. You have the big three. You have Riley. So that that's your that's your group because they're. Not, I can't see them getting rid of Marner. I, I I cannot wrap my head around that making sense. All right, Tim, DoorDash. Do you feel like cooking? Nope. When I don't feel like cooking, I you know what I, I hop on DoorDash. I see what's for dinner. I swipe through all the restaurants. I, I'm finding something new tonight. Maybe some maybe some Asian. Maybe some Middle Eastern food. I don't know, or a classic favorite, some pasta. It's beautiful. I don't have to worry about running to the store. I don't have to worry about putting everything together and the kids in my ear and me. Oh, I didn't put salt in it. It's terrible. It all comes to me with DoorDash. It's fantastic. For a limited time only, our listeners get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. You can download the DoorDash app. You can enter our promo code NATION25. It's a beautiful thing. But guess what? Only available in Canada, unfortunately. Terms and conditions apply. Don't know what that means. Everybody can use it. Check it out. NATION25. DoorDash. All right, Tim. Moving on. You know who Cutter Goche is? I, I certainly do. Tell us about Cutter Goche, Tim. Yeah. Tim, tell us about Cutter Goche. Okay, this is really interesting. He was traded yesterday from the Flyers to the Ducks for Jamie Drysdale, who's a great young defenseman, 21 years old, and a second-round pick. What's really interesting about this one is that nobody saw it coming. Not Frank, not Darren, none of the insiders knew this was coming down the pipe. It came out of nowhere. And so this, what's, 
let's look at why this happened. The first thing is that the reports is that he didn't want to play for the Flyers. That was the report. And if you look at the timeline, it gets really, really interesting, and it doesn't really reflect too well on Cutter Gauthier. But let's go back to 2022. We selected fifth overall by the Flyers. And the quote from Danny Briere at the time, the Flyers GM, he said, quote, he looked at us at the draft and told us that he was built to be a Flyer, wanted to be a Flyer. A few months later, he told us that he didn't want to be a Flyer. Interesting. I don't know what happened during that time span, but he told uh, the GM and, and the organization he didn't want to play for them. Fast forward a little bit. This past summer in July, it's important to note that Gautier did not attend the Flyers rookie development camp in July. We talked about this at the time, remember? And even mm-hmm. more notably, didn't tell him why he skipped it. And Briere said at the time, like, I assume it's because he's played so much hockey. There was an international tournament. He's playing in college. He just needed a break. And he even said so, uh, you know, a few days later, I just needed a break. I need to be back with my family. It was too much hockey. And we kind of roasted him for that at the time. Um, fast forward a little bit more. At the World Juniors last week, the last couple of weeks, Briere um, and Briere and the Flyers camp knows at this point that he doesn't want to play for them. They're trying to set up a meeting with his agent, with him, to have a conversation and basically make a pitch. Like, let us just tell you a little bit about the organization, what we're building, where we're going, how we see you fitting in. We want you to be part of it. Would not even take the meeting. This is Danny Briere. This is John LeClaire. This is Keith Jones. This is Patrick Sharp asking for a meeting with him, this 19-year-old kid, and he won't even give him the time of day, which is just crazy to me. Like, it's okay if you don't want to play for them. You have some common courtesy and respect to take a meeting. You're 19 years old. You haven't played a game in the NHL. You take that meeting. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then the latest report just this morning from RA from Spit and Chicklet said, per source, rookie GM, quote unquote, and quote unquote, coaching style were reasons that Gautier did not want to be a flyer, aka didn't trust Briere's ability to build this team and did not want to play for torts. So that's the timeline there. We're going to get into the response and the, and the breakout of a trade, but let me hear your thoughts on that so far, John. Um, I, I think you're going to start seeing this more and more where players just, it, it's becoming like basketball almost a little bit where those players, they all of a sudden don't want to feel like playing for a team and they just decline and they go, no, uh, trade me. I, I don't want to play here anymore. We see it all the time with the star players, the Kevin Durant's, the James Harden's, the LeBron James. They just don't want to do something and they, they, they don't do it. And it's, it's very it's it's very new for the NHL, especially coming from a rookie. And he does have a little bit of power here because he could sit out again and then enter the draft because he's still, you know, going to Boston College. He still has that ability. I think he would have to sit out two more years and then enter the draft again. So he has a little bit of leverage, but it is striking. And the biggest point to me is he doesn't want to play for John Tortorella. I think that's what it boils down to. I don't think it has anything to do with Danny Breer. I think Danny has done a great job so far with the Flyers trying to remake this roster, making moves, you know, getting Voracek out, getting Giroux out, really, really revamping this roster on the fly. And Cutter Goche was a huge part of this. He's did fantastic in the World Juniors. He's playing great at Boston College. This kid is going to be a high-end player in the NHL once he makes that jump. But boy, oh boy, it, it all has to do with Tortorella. And... That says a lot about you as a player. And I'm trying my best to see it from the player's side and to just not go on the tangent. I usually go on how he doesn't want to work hard and he wants everything to come to him easy. And his parents have always said, yes, 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 you're the best. You know, like we, we mentioned why he didn't go to rookie camp. Porch is a hard, hard coach. You know, if you go to rookie camp, you're going to bust your behind. 
and you're just going to be bag skated up and down the ice for a good portion of camp. Like he's he's going to test you. And so when he didn't go to rookie camp, the writing was on the wall there pretty early that A, this kid is pretty soft. And B, maybe he's not made for a Philadelphia Flyer uniform because it, Flyers play a certain type of hockey. It's a blue collar town. It's a broad street bullies. Like this is this is a, you know, a hardworking bootstrap lunch pail type team. I, I don't know. I, I love the, the response from Danny Briere. They chased, they pursued, he didn't reciprocate. He just, he does what a typical spoiled kid does. He doesn't want to like face reality and be a man and look at him eye to eye and say, you know what? Things have changed. I don't want to play here anymore. I apologize. He ignores, he mutes. He just does, does everything he can to just have a confrontational conversation with somebody. I had a confrontational conversation on Sunday night. I'm going to tangent. So I'm playing in a men's league. This is last night. We got worked. Absolutely taken behind the woodshed and worked. It's a 40 and over league. So my team, it's it's. I have two priests on my team. The priest from my current church and a priest I'm really good friends with. Father Libby, Father Jarvis. And then a bunch of just guys who hang around. Like they're not good hockey players. They just kind of are around. And some of them don't even know how to play hockey. They just took it up last year. Anyways, we're always somewhat competitive. I kind of keep us close. We we maybe win, we tie, we lose, but we never really get blown out. The team we played last night had a bunch of 20-year-old kids playing. And they worked us, absolutely worked us. They had four or five young kids, and that's all it takes. After the game, the guy who set up the whole league, he was last in line in the handshake line. I, I made sure I went last in our line. I grabbed him, I shook his hand. I was fired up to him. And I was, I don't, I don't swear, you know, I try to, you know, we keep family friendly show and this and that I was swearing. I was, I was, and the reason I was swearing is because he was living in la la land, much like these, you know, not wanting to have a confrontational conversation. He just went in on like just random stuff. He's like, well, I'm 56 and you played in the NHL and your goalie's 36 and you had this and that. And I looked at him, I said, all those things are legal. Like, I know I'm 41. The limit is 40. And I go, how many goals do I score a game? One? Correct. I was losing. I was swearing to him. I, I had to leave. I said, if you're not going to talk, what's the beepity, beepity, beep point of us talking? And I skated away because I was just, I think it's bogus. And I think what Cutter Gauthier did in this situation is bogus too, by not just being a man and calling Danny Briere and saying, you know what? I, I just don't think it's going to work out. But he just ignores him. And I don't know, that was a long tangent. Getting back to Danny Briere. I like what he did. I think he just saw a situation, realized it wasn't going to be rectified, and just traded him. Cut bait. And he got fantastic value for a player who didn't want to be there. And maybe he he kind of got in front of the of the news of him not wanting to be a Philadelphia Flyer, made some phone calls, because that drops the value of a player when he says, I'm not going to play for your team. All of a sudden, GMs hear that, and they go, okay, well, we can get this guy for pennies on the dollar. So I, I like what Danny Breer's done in Philadelphia so far in his tenure, coming in as relatively no experience whatsoever. He's done a great job, and he nailed it here. I was trying to figure out who won this trade. Drysdale, obviously, coming out, coming into the NHL, huge expectations. I think he was a sixth overall pick, a fleet-footed, right-shooting defenseman, very rare when you have those two things. They're, they're a high commodity when you get a right-shotted, fleet-footed defenseman. You don't see that very often. So to, to trade a guy like that is a big deal for the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. 
but I like the trade for them as well. So it's one of those things where I think both teams win the trade, but I th- I almost think Anaheim wins it more just because you're, I don't know, we'll get into that a little bit. What do you think of this whole situation? Because you just did a rundown of what happened. You didn't give your opinion. What do you think of Cutter Gauthier? What do you think of Danny Briere? What do you think of this whole situation? I want to hear you because you're, you, you're similar to Cutter Gauthier where you just don't like confrontations. You don't like this angry people. You like everybody to be happy. Can we all just get along? Um, yeah. yeah, no, I, I, I don't like this look from Cutter Gauthier. And I think Briere really came out looking really good in this. Um, just because he even there was even a comment about how Briere in all this time, because he asked for a trade like at least a month or two ago. And so and that news never got out. And that was Briere being very careful about that because he was still protecting the reputation of the player and this future of the player where if he's not able to trade him, he still has to be able to play here. And so um, he was really just like looking out for everyone involved, just more. I don't know if it was a business sense or a good, good heart, but um, and then to get a good young defenseman in Jamie Drysdale, I think is really, really good as long as, as well as the second round pick. But Drysdale, the knock on him is obviously not being able to stay healthy. He missed most of last year. He's probably he's been drafted three years ago. I think he only played like 150, 160 games. Um, so he's he's lost a lot of time due to injury and all that. But when he's healthy, he's good. And he's not really going to put up a ton of points or at least he hasn't yet. The thing that he's still only 21 years old, so he can build into that player. And if not, I was, the, the comparison I'm making in my mind is Adam Larson, where he can still be like not a legit 1A defenseman, but like a top pairing defenseman who doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Maybe he doesn't run your power play, but he's still a coveted, valuable defenseman on a good team. So I think he can be really good, and, and Flyers need that. You know, they've got Cam York. They've got Travis Anheim's having a breakout year. So they don't need um, Drysdale to play 30 minutes a night or anything like that. They just need to develop him and be part of the future. So I think all things considered, it's it's a good look for him, uh, for Briere, that is. Not a great look for Cutter And this is the whole element of, like, you don't burn bridges when you don't have to, right? Like, when you quit your job, like, unless something egregious goes down, like, you kind of you give him a handshake, you look him in the eye and say... You just never know what the future holds, right? You know, you might need a reference. You might need a character reference, whatever. Cutter Gauthier has made enemies in Philadelphia forever, forever. Whether it's in the organization, whether it's the teammates, it's certainly the city and the fans, right? Because you look at some of the comments that have come out of this. And the, the um, one of the shows had Danny Hilferty on, who's a chairman and CEO of the Flyers organization. He's the top dog. This is what he had to say. I feel bad for Cutter. Well, I don't really feel bad for Cutter when it comes to Philadelphia. It's going to be a rough ride here, and he earned it. We're Philadelphians, and we want people who want to be here with us. He's going to get booed. He's going to get nasty things said about him um, forever. The, you know, Philadelphia Flyers of all cities, they don't have short memory. They're going to remember this stuff. And he's got to be able to have – he's got to have a great career, and he's got to basically score every time he plays them, or he's going to get booed out of the building. Um and then Tortorella as well. And this is so great because this is exactly ties back to you where he was asked about the situation after the game. And he said, I don't know Cutter from a hole in the wall. And he probably means it. And this is just, I thought of you too, because he doesn't even know his own players, right? Yeah. Like you showing up and he's like, I, what are you doing here? Um, he's focusing on one thing. He's looking at his whiteboard. He's looking at his lines and his drills. And that's really always focused on. And that's Tortorella. That's, that's him doing what he knows to do that it takes to win. So, um, Kind of going coming back to this, bring this full circle. The the NHL has changed a little bit. I think it's starting to change a little bit. Going back to the NBA, like you said, and it brings back the question. I know what I'm going to ask it anyway, but I know what you're going to say: Is playing in the NHL a right or a privilege? Because Cutter Gauthier is acting like it's a right, 
and he gets to dictate how it on, on his terms. He's 19 year old, years old. I understand he's got the leverage when it comes to the contract and the eligibility and all that sort of thing. But don't you think most kids at that age are just happy to be there? So is this an ego thing? Because you've already talked about how Zegris and his ego, and now you got um, Cutter Gauthier. Is is a duck? Are they setting up for all the talent in the world that they're going to have? Is this a group that has like the mental fortitude and the backbone to win in this league? I don't know. It's, it's they're still young. It's early to say, but I think that's a fair question to ask. Yeah, uh, the a right or a privilege that that area is getting grayer by the year because it's turning into it's a right they they deserve to be here and then they have all the power the younger players and i think the gms and everybody surrounding them have kind of made it that way you know so like i, I like the colts or say what he does he's like you don't want to play here fine you'll just you'll languish in your at your house i'm not gonna i'm not gonna give in to you that's the old school way of thinking now it's the, the players have all the power it is what it is. It's 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 a new age. So I, I'm I'm not okay with it, but I've accepted it. Um, moving on to the Anaheim Ducks, how they're going to be? Yeah, you mentioned Trevor Zegras. You mentioned all these you know guys who really aren't high high character type players. No, you know guys who really don't have the captain type you know mentality. I like this move from Pat Verbeek. I really do. I think he's nailed every move he's done with the Ducks so far in his tenure. I think he's been there, what, two, three years. He doesn't overpay for players. He doesn't give in when players whine and complain like Zegers did. He wanted a huge long-term deal. He just gave him a basic 5.75 bridge deal. You know, show me what you're worth, kid. Like, let's go. He's still going to be an RFA after that three years. So I like what he's done. He's bought himself some time. Jamie Drysdale he signed him to a good t- contract too, but he didn't know what he was getting. They're obviously struggling this year. They're second last in the West. They're going nowhere. So you you avoid the big elephant of Jamie Drysdale's contract coming up and Trevor Zegers' contract coming up and having to pay these guys a ton of money. You get six years at a cutter goche under your team control where you're paying them next to nothing for the most part. So it's a great deal by him. And you have a pretty strong defense. You have a lot of guys in the system. You have Jackson Lacombe. You have Pavel Mintuyakov, who's a really good young defenseman. They're already playing. So you have some good defensemen. So you could afford to lose Jamie Drysdale. So I think at the end of the day, the Anaheim Ducks come out the better team at the end of this deal because I think Cutter Goche will be the best player. I don't know about Drysdale. I, I just feel like he's he's going to be injured. He's going to – like. I'm not sold on him yet. He could turn out to be an all-star. We'll see. But I like what Pat Verbeek is doing, and I like what Danny Bre- – this is a win-win for both teams. Usually there's a there's a clear-cut winner in these trades when a player demands a trade. It's like we have to get rid of him. He doesn't want to play here. Teams take advantage. Danny Breer did great. He did fantastic in my eyes. So I, I think Philly wins it. I think the Anaheim Ducks win it. This puts sets the Ducks back a few years in their rebuild. I think you keep Cutter Goche in college for maybe one more year. You just say, you know, we're going to kick the can down the road because we're not going to be competitive for a while. We still have Isaac Ludstrom. we got to figure out, and then we'll go from there. So, I don't know. Interesting situation all around. I, I think this is a sign of things to come. The only player I've ever seen who got drafted and declined to play was Eric Lindros. That's it. And he went to Philadelphia, oddly enough. So, this is the only other time that I can think of where a player just said, I'm not doing it. The publicly like this. There was the the other one was Jimmy Vc. Remember that like mm-hmm. six, seven, eight years ago. And I think that was Nashville. He was drafted by, wouldn't play for, and they ended up signing with the Rangers. Um, 
but yeah, he was he wasn't the high, you know, the 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 Eric Lindros quality player, you know. All right, Tim, moving on. What do we got next? We have Bo Gray coming on the show. One of our good friends, he's the founder of Give Better and he's changing sports gambling and he's helping a lot of people while he's doing it. So we're going to bring him on in a minute. Um, talk a little bit about what he's building and why you should care about it. All right, everybody, let's do it. The long awaited arrival of Bo Gray. He's finally here. We've been teasing him for the last few weeks. He's been all over the world and I've been dealing with puddles of vomit at my house. So we couldn't get together, but now he's here. Bo Gray, the founder of Give Better, the man behind the app and the everything. He's here. Bo, thanks for jumping on with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Like I said, it's been a been a while and I'm long awaited, but I'm glad to finally make the time to get on the show. So we we talk about you a lot on our show just because we love you. We love the company. We love the premise, the idea. But I think it's nice to put a face to a name and just to have the people who listen to us every week hear it from the horse's mouth because Tim and I can say all we want about how this is a great product. We love it. We're behind it because we don't just pair up with anybody. We're very selective with our sponsors. Why did you start Give Better? Why? What's what's the premise behind this? Because sports gambling is pretty full. There's a lot of people in that area. Yeah, I think where I started was what we wanted to create – Crazy as it sounds, it's socially responsible gaming. So it started with a technology called the Wager Score, which is like a FICA score for gaming. It takes your wagering data, combines it with credit bureau data. And we want to ensure that people are playing responsibly. And then the idea was to reward those playing responsibly by giving back to social causes they care about and taking something that was traditionally considered maybe taboo, like gaming, and turning it into a social positive. So you know, imagine if we can take all this money from gaming and put it back to local causes. And so my thought process was, is, you know, we've got the athletes in the space that don't really benefit directly from sports betting, right? Ultimately, they can't because if, if sports betting companies were paying them directly and everything is being bet on everything they do, it would affect the integrity of the game. And so the idea was that we can get athletes to get behind our product, support it, encourage it. And then ultimately, the, uh, the money that their fans and people were losing over time would go back to their favorite nonprofits and their causes. So what we really are is a game that's created crowdfunding through daily fantasy and sports betting. So we're taking those proceeds and, and redirecting them to social causes and protecting the consumers first and foremost. So we live in a capitalist society. Everyone's always trying to make as much money as they can. Why even, why even bother and I know this is a weird question, but why, why even bother giving any money back? Why not just, because you have a great product. So why not just keep all the money? Well, I mean, the whole, the whole idea is that you we wanted to create a new type of gaming, which is socially responsible gaming. That's the whole concept behind the company. It's crowdfunding through gaming, right? The reality of it is that we all like to bet on sports and we like to play daily fantasy. And at the end of the day, I'm not naive enough to think that I don't lose time over time, right? Yeah, I have a couple good weekends, but at the end of the day, I, like most everyone else out there, loses, right? It's the reality of the beast, right? And so would I rather give my losses to big gaming or would I rather give it to a local nonprofit, right? If I'm going to lose, it might as well go to charity. And so that was the vision behind the product. And the whole idea is that, you know, we don't have to be completely greedy. You know, we, there's enough money in this industry. I think the U.S. sports betting industry made $7.5 billion last year in losses, Right. There's plenty of money to give back. And so, you know, why not give it back? Why not take your losses and turn them into charitable donations? And 
the, you know, it, one doesn't work with the other. That was the, our idea and our vision is to create socially responsible gaming, protecting, you know, those that are betting and, and playing daily fantasy and then giving back to society. It's just the vision, you know, think of us as the Tom shoes of gaming. So this, this app that we've been talking about, it's live on all, all platforms. Tell us about it. It is live. So, you know, obviously we just kind of finished up a little friends and family launch. You know, we're slowly bringing on more and more people and, you know, obviously taking some of the feedback that we're learning early on to improve the product. But it's free to play right now. All you got to do is download the app at Google Play and or, you know, the Apple Store. Um, you get a free free pick every day to win $100 if you make five correct projections. So we really wanted to be different than most companies. When most companies say, hey, it's free, it's not free because there's a lot of strings and rules attached. Our game is free, right? We believe that once you play it and understand the concept and the model, not only will you play it, but I think you'll tell your friends about what we're doing, right? I don't think you're gonna sign up for a new daily fantasy app that's like everyone else and, and go tell 10 of your friends, wow, I just signed up for another Pick'em game, right? But I think if you hear about our product and understand the overall vision and what we're trying to do with creating socially responsible gambling, once you start playing the game, the idea is that hopefully you'll tell your friends. And you know, if you wanna part with some of your money down, down, the, you know, down the pipeline, Hopefully you'll give us some so we can keep some and give some to charity. So if I, I pick up my my iPhone 6S, if I pick up that phone, how do I get your app? Do I just search what? Yeah, so if you go to Apple or Google Play, you just put in the words give better, B-E-T-T-O-R, and you can download the app. I think for uh, for your audience, we created a microsite, which is app forward slash DTG, right? So anybody that's coming from your audience can come through that link as well. But yeah, there's a lot of easy ways to find us. But yeah, just give and then second word better, B-E-T-T-O-R, and we'll pop up in either place. You don't have to use our promo code, everybody. Just It's so much easier to search it and download it. It's just go, So look up Give Better, and then you, you find that. And then how does this five pick work? So you, are you doing quarterbacks? Are you doing running backs? I think we're starting with football. Yeah, so what we're doing right now is well, so we've got football, and obviously we're down to the playoffs. So we'll have the mm -hmm. all the NFL games in the in the in the in the playoff games. So you'll have your game, your two games for Saturday, your two games for Sunday. Right now, I think next week we got a game for Monday. We just started including an NBA game every day in the daily game, and we'll start including an NHL game as well into next week. So ultimately, the way it works is you can come up, you can once you have the app, you can check the daily games. We'll offer three free games a day. You can play one of those and pick one, and it's you got to correctly predict the the outcome over under a five player projection. So in NBA, it may be you know you're starting five on both sides, and NHL the same thing, the starting lineup on both sides. So just fun for you to play and really understand. You really want people to get used to the functionality and the ease of use, especially for people that normally or aren't participating in online DFS and or sports betting. Right? Think of this as a game, and think of this as crowdfunding more so than than betting itself. Yeah, can you tell us a little bit about the user experience of the app itself? Because as John likes to remind me on the show quite often, I'm a single guy, I'm on the dating apps, I'm swiping up, I'm swiping left, I'm swiping right. You incorporated some of that into the app, right? Yeah, so it's, it's all tap and swipe. What, what I believe, and I've been in this space for some time, is that today's betting slip is too complicated for the novice or, or new player, right? You know, you have a big screen, you have a lot of data, you have so much different content going on that it's confusing. And so what we wanted to do was create an interface that was easy. You know, we publish a game with maybe 10 or 12 players to choose from. If you don't like a player, you swipe to either side. You know, if you want to see their stats, you tap on the card and you see the stats for the week. And then if you think they're going to be more than projected points, you swipe up. 
if you think they're going to be less, you swipe down. You know, you can do it from both sides. So the idea is to make a quick, easy game for people to play that, again, normally wouldn't play or just want to do something different. And, you know, we're in a tap and swipe world. And so we wanted to make an interface that was unique and different to the marketplace. So and as you've like, oh, oh go, go ahead, ahead Tim, sorry. No, you go. <laughs> yeah. So as, as you've built this, this app and this platform, as you started to share it with, with different people, what kind of reaction and response have you gotten from the industry, from the players and from people that are doing the daily fantasy betting? Yeah. So for, for, from, you know, the industry, obviously we're a disruptor. So no one likes what we're trying to do. If we could get everyone to give half their profits back to, you know, local causes, we make a significant social impact. So, you know, it's a little bit disruptive on the industry side. As far as people that are playing with the app, they love it because of the ease of use, right? Especially for people that normally haven't participated in this kind of stuff. And even those that have, you know, I've got a lot of people that I've spoken to that said, hey, I'm playing DFS or I'm betting online, but I would play this game because I know something can go to my favorite cause, right? And so maybe they're not going to switch from their platforms, but they'll add it as a second component to their gaming experience. And, you know, no one that has seen the app hasn't liked the app, which is good for us. And obviously everyone loves the idea. If I'm going to lose, it's going to go back to social causes I care about. So, you know, the, the early response has been, been good. And what we want to really do is, is, is create some momentum with the product and the brand and again, get people to talk about it with their friends. Right. And ultimately, you know, if you're engaged with a nonprofit or you're a volunteer for a nonprofit, that nonprofit can now raise money through our platform. We just share links. They send it to their donors. Anybody that's playing the game, part of those losses go back to them. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about that because we've been talking on the show for months now about 25% of your gambling losses, cumulative, get, get donated to a charity of your choice. How does that work? Do you choose that right in the app? Do you get a report at the end of the year? How does that all process work? Yeah, so if you come through a nonprofit partner, we already know that you came through them, through their link, and so we just sign that donation to that particular partner. Um, as far as, you know, other featured non-partners right now for the free-to-play game, we've got a couple of featured partners we're working with. Ultimately, what we do is we calculate your net losses for the period of the year. And at the end of the year, you can get an email or a text message or a notification that who do you want your rebate to go to at this point? And then you can finalize it or split that amongst a few. Um, but the real mission behind our product is to give nonprofits the tools to raise passive donations to people that are already playing, right? And so the idea is we bring on a nonprofit partner, they send out a, a link to their donors, they promote it on social media, you click on that link, and then you receive those donations from your donors that are that are participating in this type of activity. So I want to make sure our listeners understand what's happening right now for the month of January. You just launched and every day you can download it today. Every day it's free to play. And if you get all five right on a given day, you get $100. Is that right? exactly how it is now here's the caveat that during this promotional period which runs to the super bowl so basically it's a free-to-play game all through the super bowl you can only win one time during the contest period so if you get lucky and you yeah. hit it the first time you can still play for free and play with the software but it, it's one win per contest period but yeah it's free to play when we say free it's free and you know no deposit required and, and hopefully you'll like it enough that, that you'll come back and what if the winners want to put more money into the app yeah, so right now we're a free-to-play game, and so we, yeah. we won't launch Real Money Daily Fantasy until March. The idea yeah. now is to just let people kind of play with it, get a feeler for it, you know, tweak it out, and then ultimately, you know, we'll run uh, uh, pay-to-play fantasy uh, in time for March Madness, and then have it ready for the NBA playoffs and things like that. You know, where we sit in the season now is most of the recreational folks after the the NFL season won't be as engaged, so. 
we're not in any hurry. You know, we'll push it to really build an audience, build a free game community, and then obviously really position it for next NFL season. I love it. It's fantastic, Bo. Is there anything else you want to you tell the people before we sign off here? No, I mean, give it a spin. I mean, it's, it's, it's free to play. It's, when we say it's free, it's free. I think you'll like it. Um, you know, feedback is appreciated. If you work for a nonprofit or know someone that's with a nonprofit, have them, you know, paying us out as well because it's a good way that they can uh, generate passive donations to, you know, something people are already doing. Yeah, it's it's rare you see someone trying to do something good, Tim, in this world rather than try to suck the life out of everybody like you and I do. So Bo is one of the contrarians who is actually trying to give back. So give it a look. Go on your app supporter. Go to Apple. Go to Google, whatever. Search up Give Better. Download the app and give it a spin. It's honestly, everybody, you know, I talk about it all the time. It's a no-brainer. It's super fun. It does something good. So check it out. And for the next month and a half, you can win $100. So it's a no-brainer. And that's coming out of my pocket, you guys. <laughs> so go get it. Well, hopefully once we get the NHL uh, lineups up, you guys can make your picks and, and, and show people weekly what you guys are picking. And we'll see if one of you can hit the uh, 100 over the next four weeks. I would get it in the first game, Bo. Are you kidding me? I'm a genius. <laughs> yeah, All right, John, well, listen. Wait for me to get it right. Thank you for coming on, Bo. We appreciate all the support you do for our show, and we hopefully will help grow this Give Better movement with you along the way. So go get it, everybody. Download the app. Check it out. And, um, yeah, we'll talk to you next time. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.